Hello everyone, this is a podcast of one's own and I'm here today with our president Esther Hello. and our treasurer slash events manager <laughs> Aurora Hello. and we're going to talk about gender bias in medicine today or the health gap as you um, mm. put it in the title for the session. Um, so yeah, we're going to basically speak about how um, women are often not offered the same treatment as men or um, more often misdiagnosed and we're also going to speak a little about racial bias and um, bikini medicine uh, a term that I wasn't really familiar with before but we're going to enlighten you and explain um, what exactly it is so yeah you two um, had held the session um, do you remember who came up with the idea of talking about I think it was you, Esther. I think it was me, yeah. yeah. It's something that I'm really interested in because it upsets me so much. <laughs> like, the, the more I keep reading about it, um, it just... It's one of those like, really, really clear... Like, people don't really think that it's a big thing because legally a lot of people perceive that we have all the same rights, but then mm -hmm. all this bias comes into it. And when it comes to health, and especially, like, healthcare and cl clinical healthcare, when there's a gap like that, that really sets the people that are getting the short end of the stick at such a big disadvantage, like actual death, <laughs> you know, yeah. like it's yeah. such a a sharp um, contrast. And, yeah. yeah, I, um, I didn't really, um, at first I was kind of like, hmm, what are we talking about here? Is it like how you're, how male or female patients are treated differently mm. by doctors or is it about the treatment they get but then I started sort of like noticing certain things when I just scrolled through Twitter or yeah. I read the news and then I read one um, article saying that apparently last year um, 8,000 women in the UK I think died because they from like a heart attack or a heart disease yeah. that was not um, acknowledged for what it was because the symptoms are different from Yeah. From for men and women, and because mm -hmm. the male body is sort of like the default in, in clinical research. trials or in research, yeah. um, and I couldn't believe it. I was like, mm -hmm. how? I mean, obviously, and I feel like maybe we should start by sort of explaining the difference between sex and gender again, because I feel like this is kind of important here. It mm -hmm. does like make mm -hmm. it so. When we started the session, we were talking like I felt like I had to point that out because yeah. there's a whole other section of it that is about like the transgender and non-binary experience in medicine which is like uh, such a massive contrast to anything yeah. that mm -hmm. cisgendered people experience but since we're talking about clinical trials and uh, like body like physiology and mm -hmm. um, there's historically it's been divided between the two sexes and i mean the the health gap that we're talking about is the misalignment between um uh was actually the like division of the two like uh, well the two different body types male and female mm -hmm. uh, and not understanding that they function differently in certain diseases so so it became kind of a session that was a bit like it was quite cis-centered and um like heteronormative but mm -hmm. it, but that's that's also the way that uh, clinical health science works yeah unfortunately but i mean one of the take-home messages i think as well is that like while socially we should try to not put 
that big of an emphasis on sex and focus on gender because that's what we're performing and that's what we choose and that's what we identify as. Mm-hmm. But in health, we have to acknowledge that there are physical differences. And yeah. I, I raised this idea, like this, what's called gender blindness, which is just treating all patients the exact same regardless, regardless of sex or gender. Mm-hmm. And which doesn't, which is going to be difficult because based on your gender, you're going to have different social experiences and different social pressures that have formed you into being more and vulnerable to certain diseases or experiences mental or physical and when it comes to sex if we just ignore that there are physical differences between sexes then a lot of things are going to go unnoticed like heart attacks in women for example because the symptoms are totally different from men Mm -hmm. yeah um we watched a video where um a doctor uh, i think she explained some of the some of the differences for example one thing that she brought up was a prescription for um, Ambien. Ambien, which, yeah. Is, yeah. which is supposed to help you sleep. Mm-hmm. Um, and then only after, like only recently, they found out that the doctors they prescribe, the prescription, yeah. it's been on the market for decades, right? And the prescription was just like, it was way too much for most women mm-hmm. yeah. um, so to have the dose yeah. for women because women digest it slower mm. due to like specific horm- like due to the like makeup of female mm. hormones and um, it could be really dangerous when they're mm-hmm. like drowsy in the morning because they've taken too much they get behind the wheel might cause an accident yeah, yeah. and I couldn't believe it I was like these um, these like Things, yeah. these pills, they go to like so many stages of being approved yeah. till they're mm-hmm. finally released to the market. So why did no one intervene? Like why did no one say anything? It was um, like Aurora was bringing up some of the clinical trials that have been done as well, and I can't now remember exactly what it was, like what diseases they were on. But they had like these massive sample sizes mm-hmm. of like twenty two thousand people oh, yeah, or yeah. thirteen thousand mm-hmm. people, and, and they had zero, zero women. women. Like there were yeah. only men in those trials, which is to me fucking. It's so, I mean, it's, it's just baffling crazy. because. It's like, not it's like, just just do like literally just do yeah. fifty fifty. But it's also the fact that they had to like what was it was it eight out of ten. Something like eight out of ten pills or something on the market had to be taken back because they hadn't been mm. properly tested on women. Yeah, because, or, like, they had because on yeah, women. but then they had like bad effects on women, but they hadn't noticed before because it mainly just been tested on men, but, which just seems yeah, ridiculous. Why go male, through all of that? It is on male animals when they and male start cells, yeah. and male cells, male animals, and then male human. Uh, humans, and then I mean expect the same to happen. And why do you think? Why do you think they don't test on women? Is it for medical reasons or is it because the people in research are predominantly male and just not really interested or why? We were talking about this and I mean historically it was uh, to protect women, like to like not do anything to, that could potentially harm them. Like you, you're in a clinical trial, you don't really know what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, and historically, I think that was, we, we found when we were doing the research that it was kind of justified for, by, oh, well, women are going to, like, they're going to, we, we can't, like, gamble with their bodies because they need to be able to have kids. Like, we need to, like, protect, what if something happens in the clinical trial and mm-hmm. they can't have babies? And that okay. was, like, the way people justified it yeah. in the past. I think it but also, then obviously, and I mean, it was also, like, kind of shifted to, like, women's bodies are too complicated. Yeah. So like because hormones fluctuate too much, and I just 
Yeah, it's oh crazy. Like, I'm like, so, why do you not want yeah. to understand that though? Yeah. Like, why do you not want to help like half of the population? And how do you like if you already if you already assume women's hormones fluctuate too much? Why do you not also assume they're gonna medicine is gonna work differently on men? I know. Men? Yeah. Like, I mean, it's also there so it seems to be like one of the most shocking missing. things to me. It's like birth control designed for women to to take was developed on like based on male hormones mm-hmm. of course it's gonna be yeah. like wreak havoc in the like female hormonal system and it already does in males uh-huh. but then it came out to the market and because and, like it doesn't really matter because men don't, don't they yeah. don't have to take it and like uh, just, like and they also have that one trial that was like looking at breast cancer and they just tested that on men yeah which was kind of like but what why but it's also, I think, like, the idea that women's hormones are so, like, inconsistent and, like, unpredictable. Um, I mean, yeah, those are hormones, but it's the same for men. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, literally, yeah. it fluctuates in the same way as it does for women. Yeah. And we- there's just this, like, sort of stereotype that like hormones make women like crazy or hysterical yeah. and that's actually very deep rooted oh since God, like yeah. ancient greek i think yeah. this yeah. sort of stereotype that the uterus is something that it's wanders wandering the body, wandering the body <laughs> and like goes into the brain or something and it's shocking how like we still yeah. have these sort of stereotypes when when we're in a conversation with people Mostly, mostly men, but as we talked about yeah. yesterday with Jamila Jamil, yeah. um, sometimes it's even another woman who says like, "Oh, calm down, like don't mm-hmm. be so yeah. hysterical." Like I, I mean, for in terms of that, like the way that hysteria is playing a role is mm-hmm. we were talking about it how, um, so many women experience misdiagnosis based on that that stereotype and that like that still like lingering belief that mm-hmm. that, that women are hysterical even though people don't actually think that the womb is wandering around the body anymore <laughs> yeah. um there were there were studies made to um to see what the risk factors were of getting a d- diagnosis for a mental illness and they were either like being previously diagnosed with with something like psychosomatic or just being a woman like that was a risk factor like a risk factor not in developing the disease yeah. but getting diagnosed with it and misdiagnosis is one of the biggest killers in the world because obviously if you get diagnosed in the wrong way you're not mm-hmm. going to get the right treatment mm-hmm. yeah and women so much more than men get not 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 just rightly um diagnosed with psychosomatic diseases but like misdiagnosed with them as well yeah and i think um the fact that and this is like not just things that i'm saying obviously we did the research so like statistics show that men are much more likely to not just be taken seriously at like in the the first encounter with doctors they're also much more uh, likely to like doctors will interpret their symptoms as organic like something that's actually mm-hmm. happening in their body whereas women are going to be uh told they, they, they're, they're yeah they're going to be told that it's psychosocial or stress. like it's something yeah it's stress and i, I was shocked to see that uh, yeah, a lot of women like are, women are much more likely for like and this is the key part for the same symptoms of the same severity. So okay. it's not like mm-hmm. different levels of like intensity or whatever. It's like the exact same severity of the same symptoms, 
um, men are more likely to get advanced clinical care and uh, treatment, whereas women are more likely to be um, to be prescribed self care. But like just go home yeah. and take it easy. But mm-hmm. don't you think that another part that that sort of like plays plays a role in this is also gender like we talked a lot about sex mm. but how does gender sort of influence the way we talk about mm. our our illness or our disease because yeah. mm-hmm. i remember you like on one of your slides it said that men are more like men are do men, what was it like leave it alone men are leavers alone and women are worried yeah. mm-hmm. so that would actually i mean that that, that doesn't was, really line up because no. then I would say like women like are much women. more likely to be like hey there's something actually wrong with me like you have to yeah you have to treat me well men are just kind of like nah I'll I go think, like next I month. think they're like it's interesting to bring that in that's why I put it there because that was a social study on like the way people talk about health mm-hmm. and the way like that it gets to them and I think maybe women worry because for other reasons like not necessarily worry in the sense that they will go to the doctor because. A lot of people, like women, will not want to go to the doctor because they know that they won't be taken seriously for a range of reasons. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And there are so many intersectionalities coming into it. There's there's racial bias and there's, yeah. you know, like fat phobia uh, that people are just going to like dim- dismiss any of your symptoms just because just you're like in lose, a larger body. Weight. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, and that will stop people mm-hmm. from coming into doctors as well. But... Um, just in the way that people talk about it. And I think that was a really important thing to point out just in terms of uh, what toxic masculinity plays, like how that plays a role in it as well. Because obviously there's a whole, we focused in the session mostly uh, on maybe physical diseases that are misdiagnosed for mental illness. Mm. But uh, for men as well, like they are much more likely than women to to commit suicide based on mm-hmm. like being depressed because it's something that they don't feel comfortable talking about. Yeah. And people go go just misdiagnosed for long like if they go through um through di- like diagnostic uh, uh inter what do you call it? investigations um if nothing organically is wrong with them then that it might go home. unnoticed that they yeah. have mm-hmm. a mental yeah. problem. Yeah. And that's another side of the coin that's really, really dangerous. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so when we talk about toxic masculinity, um, for for everyone who's not sort of familiar with the term, it's like a way of performing gender um, yeah. for like men. It's like to like macho culture. Yeah, macho culture. And it's not just like higher suicide rates, but also just like a higher mortality for men. Like men are yeah. likely to die earlier than women. Um they tend to suffer from heart disease or just like shorter life expectations in general and also like things like alcohol abuse which yeah. could be could be seen as like a sort of a symptom of toxic masculinity or I repressed emotions yeah, I think so. um, and maybe diet also plays a role because if we're talking about macho culture it's always like oh you need so much protein, like you need yeah. to eat meat and then obviously that leads to heart disease like you don't yeah. have to be a scientist to see mm-hmm. a connection there so you can see how like gender plays a role in like how you how you treat your own yeah, body, how you sure. talk about your symptoms. Um, but yeah, um, you you just mentioned racial bias in yeah. medicine as well, and I think it's really important to talk about that as well because I was mm-hmm. shocked. I mean, I mean, not yeah. not that shocked because we all no. know that racism is like ingrained in our society. But patients of color are. Undertreated for pain, so they 
are 22% less likely to receive opioids in emergency rooms. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like and if you're in an like emergency room, treatment. it is pretty urgent. Like, yeah. yeah. And that's obviously just coming from social prejudice and stereotypes mm-hmm. about, um, about black people just not experiencing pain, pain. in the same yeah. way as, as uh, white people do. Mm-hmm. I, like, I'd say it stems from the idea of like savagery and, mm-hmm. you know, like, the, like, which is just like so fucking ridiculous that this mm-hmm. is still like, in in our system there was one study of medical students yeah that was uh, like 200 medical students that were given um a bunch of fault like actually like a bunch of false uh statements about differences between between races and um and one of them was like black skin is thicker than white skin or something like things or like or like black people don't have the same uh, nerve sensitivity mm-hmm. as mm-hmm. white people or whatever and uh, 50% of those medical students these are people that are going to go into the into the field and become doctors in emergency mm-hmm. and surgery and everything mm-hmm. um, 50% of the students thought that more than uh, more than uh, like I think it was at least one or like, I think it was one to ten statements mm-hmm. like more than half of them at least thought that some of them were right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that's absolutely ridiculous. Like, that's really, really dangerous. It is yeah. ridiculous, but it's also... When I said before it's shock- it, that it, I found it shocking, I mean, yeah, I find it shocking, but it's also not very surprising. Mm-hmm. Like, if no, you think about surprising. it, it's just... I mean, we're all white, so yeah. Yeah. we don't experience racism. We've never, we've never mm-hmm. experienced, because on a side note, there's no... Racism against white people no. because of their skin color. Yeah. That's just no. that's not a thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I hear it like but I hear like, it all the time. Oh, so no. like I just really want to clarify that, that uh-huh. I know no white person is ever discriminated for being white. That's no. just not a thing. Um, like we, they were also mentioning how like they when they did these studies they thought that it was um, also like an age thing depending on like there are other confounding variables mm-hmm. but that they did the same evaluations on kids and these are children mm-hmm. uh, where I think they said two out of no like I can't remember the statistic but two black <laughs> children are like likely to wait as maybe twice I think it was twice as long as as white children for uh, like to see actually to, see to, a doctor to, to see a doctor for like appendicitis like mm-hmm. something oh that's God. like really emergent yeah yeah uh, yeah, and also another statistic that you brought up is that black women are five times more mm-hmm. likely to die during childbirth. Yeah, and that's yeah. in the UK. Like I think the others, I'm not sure where the opium one is American yeah. or whether yeah. yeah. And that's the so it's that's like you UK. somehow oh associate that with yeah. the US maybe, but yeah. like yeah, it's I mean we know the UK is not amazing, but I still was like at least we have yeah. so public health care. Yeah, but then you still see that yeah. it's five times. Yeah, but then you have, there's an intersectionality as well, Mm because, like, obviously those are mothers, so they're women, yeah, um, and they're, they're black, Mm -hmm. so, yeah, like, the intersectionality of that is just, and let me, and then imagine being uh, a fat black woman, like, the amount of discrimination and, like, misdiagnosis and, like, just invalidation you're gonna go through, Mm -hmm. Like trying to get help for something that you don't know what's wrong, and I feel like I, I mean I understand yeah. that people don't want to go to the doctor. Exactly, you know mm-hmm. that's what I was going to yeah. say. I feel like those um, experiences can be so traumatizing that you are very likely to just not go or to just yeah. sort of try to treat yourself. And um, I mean, here 
um, you can just get painkillers anywhere basically. Yeah. Mm-hmm. In Germany, it's like you at least you have to go to a pharmacy. You can't just buy them yeah. in a supermarket, and they're gonna tell you, you know, don't take more than like three pills or whatever. Yeah. Every day, and here it's just like so easy to just buy mm-hmm. painkillers and basically yeah. just avoid going to the doctor that way. Yeah. Um, yeah. So let's talk a bit about um, bikini medicine. Yeah. Oh. Because that's that's a funny word. I, I had I never mean, heard it before. I think it's really telling of what it is. It's really like uh, the way that medicine emerged when it, like starting to take into account the female body, but mm. falling short on a lot of different in a lot of different ways by basically saying that oh the female body functions in the exact way as men apart from boobs and vagina. So like your genital area and your boobs, like that that's the only that's like the bikini medicine that we're talking about. Okay. So that's what was ever investigated when there mm-hmm. was something specific to women. Mm-hmm. But other than that, the male model still been used mm. for all other aspects of It's so of ridiculous. I have a cousin in Germany and she studied medicine and she was telling me about how when she went to medical school, um how in like all the books you read when something a disease is described or symptoms are described Mm. it's like it only talks about the male body and then it sort of has a footnote saying like oh women might react differently Mm -hmm. to to the treatment or like women might show different symptoms and she said you actually have to go in and like actively look for resources and like research to like tell you how but how is that different that's so dangerous as well because that's going to make it more likely that medical students don't have as a comprehensive idea of women's medicine even like i mean that would already be the case because the research is not there mm-hmm. but even what is there if that's not accessible that's going to make yeah yeah the, the like, ability to provide correct care to people yeah. like half of the people like it's not mm-hmm. like a tiny and, little like it's and half I mean, of the people you yeah. cannot even you cannot even blame like medical students for no, it because like no. how are they supposed to recognize certain symptoms if they've just no, never learned, learned about it, it? Yeah. Um, and those are people who like you know they're yeah. going to be doctors they're going into healthcare and I think they're basically it was like it was really like cool. for the example with the example of um, uh, heart attacks uh, I think it was they did a study, they had done a study uh, on female heart attacks and like uh, how are the symptoms and how do you remember? yeah it was the statistic they found was that women are uh, seven times more likely to be sent home from hospital in the middle of having a heart attack oh like while God. they're having a heart attack they're sent home because they can't find anything because wrong. the you know, thing like that you know times more likely that what you know what i think i know about heart attacks is that you have a pain in your left arm i yeah. think what it, or you arms. feel like one of the arms <laughs> yeah and, was, and like then a, you have like a, like it feels like something's weighing on your chest mm-hmm, or something yeah. or it's like a, a pain yeah. in your chest mm-hmm. and women who had heart attacks described the symptoms differently yeah. they were like oh i don't something's off i don't really feel feel yeah. well and like but they tired, didn't no, but they but didn't have the sort of significant symptoms yeah. that you find in like mm-hmm. books and yeah research they, like and i think i think especially the like left arm yeah. thing yeah. and the the really centered pressure mm-hmm. on the heart was also not it was like a general mm-hmm. pressure mm-hmm. Like, yeah and i think i mean just little things like that if medical students don't have the knowledge about that it's not their fault but that's going to be like they're going to be actually like, go really home, dangerous have a team they're going to die because of it mm-hmm. and and that's that's why I wanted to call it the health gap because it's mm. really like and that's what it's like kind of 
like that's the name of it in mm. like public discourse of surrounding mm. it but even like I don't know just to tie back to what we were talking about misdiagnosis for mental diseases like if women are more likely to be diagnosed with depression or mm. any psychosomatic disorder instead of actually being investigated for physical problems then even the fact that they've not they're not getting <clears throat> the correct treatment they're getting sent home with the wrong treatment first of all if you're mm-hmm. getting or no antidepressants yeah. uh, when you're not depressed that can That's spiral you into yeah. depression first mm-hmm. of all yeah uh, if you're not getting any treatment uh, you, you're still going to be mm-hmm. feeling like shit because yeah. there was something wrong sure. and f- just feeling invalidated in that way and not getting the right treatment is obviously more likely to set you up for actually developing these uh, mm-hmm. mental problems so it's it's like a perpetuating cycle of, yeah. that keeps women more likely to actually have these problems and to be misdiagnosed mm-hmm. and for other problems to be overlooked and it's just like um because i remember and i know that a lot of a lot of my friends had like similar issues so when i first started getting my period mm-hmm. like i got it very like only every other month sometimes i wouldn't get it for like six months mm-hmm. and in the beginning i mean obviously it's not i mean you don't you don't get it yeah. um, every month on the same day um and i knew that but after a couple of years not just a couple like after like mm. seven or eight years yeah. of having like an inconsistent period yeah. i went to see my doctor and i was like i think something might be wrong because yeah. it's just it, that's not how it's supposed to be mm-hmm. and all, basically all of my friends are having it every month and yeah. it's not the same for me what's wrong and then she was basically like well yeah you stressed or are yeah. you like not feeling well you know is something bothering you and i'm like yeah sometimes i'm stressed like there there might yeah. be a week when i have exams where i'm stressed but i've not been stressed but for like, so eight years friends, probably, yeah yeah you know what i mean and i mean like I, I was like this is no i don't think it's stress i think something might be off or um and yeah she wouldn't she wouldn't even consider doing a blood test or mm-hmm. testing my hormones and it, there could have been something like really really wrong um it could have been like PCOS yeah. or something yeah. you know and um when she retired because she was quite old and then um i went to see a younger doctor and she was like the first thing she she said is like we're going to do a blood test because that's not yeah, i mean i don't want to worry you but that's not normal mm-hmm. yeah. um it's not meant to be like that that's... and she said that i might be missing a hormone Yeah. Um, or something who causes like who basically releases yeah. the egg yeah, um, and that could um, have an impact on whether I could get pregnant in the future mm-hmm. or not so it would be quite yeah. important information um, in the end nothing was wrong but I mean the, it could have been yeah. and she the first doctor wouldn't even bother to mm-hmm. yeah. to she was literally like oh you're stressed or you're not feeling well or I don't know Uh, might be some private thing that's going on but i think it's really that also ties back to like people just not being actually not i'm not saying not being educated enough but like the research not even there yeah for like we were talking about this like bikini medicine yes it exists because that's the only thing that was different supposedly for women and that's what people focused on in the past Mm -hmm. but also even even so-called Uh, bikini medicine is underfunded yeah. so much mm. so like even yeah. if it isn't seen as a different mm-hmm. thing um, 
Oh, also like not getting yeah. researched the same way. Yeah, and I think the like the the difference in yeah. like research funding on like mm. PCOS, mm. and then three others which I don't remember. Yeah, we mentioned endometriosis, um, which were just about yeah. I think oh, the, well, like, so the the trial was yeah. the comparison between uh, different um, illnesses and their funding mm-hmm. was I think it was tuberculosis. Um, or some type of rheumatoid arthritis, lupus thing, lupus. I think, but I don't <laughs> and, quite remember. Uh, and polycystic <laughs> ovarian syndrome. I don't remember, but it was those four, and they were about the same severity, the same same prevalence, same severity, yes. same like potential mortality. Mm-hmm. Uh, and just looking at the funding, it was like PCOS was something like two hundred. Two hundred thousand pounds dollars, something like that, and then all the others were in the six hundred, seven hundred. One was I think four hundred, but it's yeah. still double the amount that PCOS was get yeah. getting funded. So it's like there is a big difference in there. Yeah. So basically, you could say that also an issue with bikini medicine is that um, conditions that affect women and just women, yeah. they're just not being researched. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. People are like, oh well, it's only half a population. Yeah. And then you're like, yeah, but all the research that you're doing on supposed to be mm-hmm. the entire population, you're actually only doing on men. So that's yeah. also just half the population. Yeah, which is, I think I found an article that was talking about the fact that it could either be, or probably it's both. But they were saying it's probably also the lack of interest by researchers because you just get more people are interested in. Um, heart diseases, cardiovascular, yeah. like problems, all that, and that kind of research. And then also, first of all, so people aren't interested. Second, they weren't talking about the lack of charities, just focus on that. Whereas mm. we all know the big charities, like, I literally don't remember them now that I know we all know them. <laughs> Said yeah. that, I don't remember the names, but we have, we know there's the really big ones for diabetes, for cancer. For yeah. cardiovascular diseases, I don't know any person until I did some research. I didn't know any that were solely focused on women's ish- issues such as PCOS or endometriosis. So there because is, of the lack of charities like pushing called, like, the, the women's research. health initiative, yeah. but it only like it was only developed like like quite <laughs> mm-hmm. recently. As and well, if there's so. only one compared to like ten, obviously yeah. you're not gonna have the same funding. And if there's also a lack of public interest because there's a lack of public knowledge. You're not gonna yeah. have the funding, so it's all like this kind so of. So it like all starts with perpetuating. And, yeah, yeah, and it all starts with it. All goes back to like education. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. I don't recall learning anything about any of this in school. No. Like no. I, I'd never heard of PCOS before. I talked to my second mm-hmm. doctor or endometriosis. Like I didn't even know what it was. Yeah. Um, and I didn't know that it is quite common. Mm-hmm. Among, oh yeah, endometriosis yeah. is like one in ten women. I one in ten yeah. women. And That's, it's so yeah. under researched. Nobody yeah. knows what to do with it. Can in take certain up, areas, it's really it could take years. Get years. Yeah. That's ridiculous. Yeah. So something that's affecting one in ten women. But it was also like in certain areas of the world, PCOS is as prevalent as twenty one percent of women, yeah. which is mm. a lot of uh-huh. people. Um. And and it's like the symptoms are so common, so it's easy, especially if people just don't know about it. It's easy to get yeah. misdiagnosed, or as you said, just put it all on stress and be like, ah, it's stress, whatever, you're just not feeling well this yeah. week. You just have, you're one of the unlucky people that have a longer period. So it's like easy to have, like, just either not get diagnosed at all or just get a misdiagnosis. And that's mainly also, again, lack of knowledge. Yeah, but I feel like some one thing that we didn't really mention a lot in the session, but I still think about a lot, is... Um, like how people don't talk uh, or research enough uh, like conditions surrounding pregnancy mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, which is obviously something that only female bodies are going to go through regardless if you're like a cis woman or, or trans man having, having going through pregnancy but 
there's so much surrounding that, like so many risks mm-hmm. that yeah. can that comes with it, just going through the pregnancy, but also things such like mental issues, like prepartum depression, postpartum, postpartum depression, mm-hmm. and these things are just not like yeah, they're just not researched enough and not talked about enough as mm-hmm. being mm-hmm. severe, like severe yeah. enough to mm-hmm. to require. Yeah, it just mm-hmm. feels like people like In, oh, women have done it for like thousands of years like yeah it's like just like it's not that big of a deal yeah and which is just really upsetting yeah yeah it is um uh i think yeah um do you have any last concluding thoughts we're already talking for like i feel like we we touched upon a lot of yeah we touched (laughs) upon the major things Mm. and if you're interested in finding out more um just yeah go in and do some research and mm-hmm. also what i just mentioned before we're starting the podcast there's an um, indie publisher in edinburgh called monstrous regiment they're really great and they're like a queer feminist publisher and they're doing a new anthology it's called so hormonal and at the moment they're just basically collecting ideas and topics um on it so um and i think they're gonna they're gonna talk about what you just mentioned like pregnancy mm-hmm. asexuality transitioning just yeah endometriosis was one of yeah. the topics that they wanted to do something on so i think that's going to be really great yeah. and really mm-hmm. informative so keep keep an eye out for that and that's it from us for today and mm-hmm. next week we're going to talk about virginity as a social <laughs> construct Yay. so apparently quite a controversial topic so, yeah, I'm excited for that. Yes. Um, but for now, um, thank, thank you for you listening. For <laughs> and have a good day. Bye. Bye. Bye.